Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? Welcome to episode 147 of Writer on the Road. I've got some news to share with you, which is really exciting. We are about to release tips, advice from best-selling authors to help you on your writing journey. Uh, It's our first book uh, to complement our author success writing magazine that we've now up to issue three. We've got the covers up for issue four, and now we are putting out our first book called Tips, and it comes out this week. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get 100 subscribers to our Author Success Stories magazine. And we're going to give away free copies uh, of tips to our first 100 subscribers. Uh, This all came about because Sam and I have started this wonderful mastermind with Jeff McDonald over at Project Done. It's a six-week mastermind course and we've been inspired to try and get a thousand subscribers to this magazine. Now we realise that we've bitten off more than we can chew but what's new about that over here at Rider on the Road? Uh, so we've decided to start off slowly with a hundred subscribers in the first week and build our way up to our first thousand. We are determined to get a 1,000 by the end of the six weeks, but we'll see what happens. Let's start with our first 100. So if you're interested in a free copy of Tips, uh, Author Success Stories Volume 1, Advice from Best-Selling Authors to Help You on Your Writing Journey, um, please come along and help us out. Go and subscribe to the magazine because otherwise I'm going to look like a fool. On the podcast today, we're talking to the expert in all things SEO, Uh, the beautiful Kate Toon. She's also the author of The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is an excellent read as well. Sit back, enjoy. And welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today I have with me a very, very special lady who I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a couple of years now, but I've never been brave enough because this stuff is so far out of my depth, I knew I was going to make a really big fool of myself. Uh, First of all, welcome Kate Toon. Hello, it's lovely to be here and you won't make a fool of yourself. We're going to, we're going to ease you through it gently. Yeah, now everyone, this podcast is for you and for me. Kate is an award-winning SEO copywriter, SEO consultant with over 20 years of experience in this stuff. God knows why I'm going to talk to you about that in a moment. Uh, Advertising, digital and writing. But the best thing about um, what Kate's got for us today is she's the founder of Clever Copywriting School, Recipe for SEO Success e-course, and there's lots of little freebies that she's got that I'm going to point out to you as we go along because this year, 2019, is the year where I get my head around the tech and it's going to be hilarious. Uh, So I'm going to start with Kate. Uh, Now, Kate, you and I were just talking about how when we want to know somebody, the biggest advantage of a podcast is we go straight to the gurus. Yes, it's great, isn't it? So uh, like we were saying, one of the reasons I started my own podcast, I've got three, which is a bit ridiculous, is that I get to talk to some of the smartest people in the world and, and learn amazing stuff direct from the horse's mouth. And 
and be able to ask my questions, you know, not, not read other people's questions and answers, but be able to put my questions direct to the expert. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. And this is why it's really cool, everybody. Um, anyone who's been on the podcast knows I don't do questions because I'm here for myself. I want to find out all this stuff, but I know you will too. So grab your pen and paper. Um, but I can tell you now that you won't need me and my podcast because everything that you need is on Kate's several websites, which will take a lot of referencing in the podcast notes afterwards, but I'll make sure it's there for you. Uh, Kate, you're you're host of the Recipe for SEO Success uh, podcast and I met you at the We Are Podcast conference several years ago now and you have this wonderful book out and I wanted to start with it because I, it just cracked me up when I saw the title of it. Um, it's called The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur. Now, we know everyone, entrepreneur is a real crazy word at the moment and every second person's an entrepreneur, but you're the first misfit that, I, um, that I've met. So can you tell us all about it? Um, well, I think I think I totally agree with you. Entrepreneurs become a bit of a cliche, really. It's kind of you see pictures of people like lying on a Porsche, counting their money, and talking about how they only work for five minutes a week. And I didn't know really what to call myself anymore because I obviously started off as a copywriter. I built up quite a successful copywriting business, and then I moved into selling courses and then resources, memberships, and now I have a conference every year called CopyCon that I run, which is a content marketing and copywriting conference. So what do I call myself? I'm a business owner. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. Oh my God. Um, but I never really felt that I fit the mold. So hence, Misfit Entrepreneur. And the book is really, it's a permission book because the, the, the subtitle is How to Succeed in Business Despite Yourself. So you know, as I've bumbled and stumbled and wandered through having my own business, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've worried about a lot of things and had a lot of fears, but I've overcome them. And so I wrote it to kind of help other people go, look, I may not look like your traditional entrepreneur and I may not do the things that a traditional entrepreneur does, but that doesn't make me any less of an entrepreneur. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Now, this is really cool, everyone, because um, the thing that got me the most is that you slopped around on the couch in your tracksuits uh, watching Netflix as you became successful. Most of the entrepreneurs that I read about and get emails in my inbox about a thousand times a day, they've all uh, done two hours of exercise, they've meditated, they've climbed Mount um, Kosciuszko, and they're all back again, and it's all before breakfast. Oh, yeah. And they've had a green smoothie. Don't forget the green smoothie. Yeah. So, you know, I work in a little hut in, in my back garden. My mornings are not spent doing yoga and having green smoothies. I spent running around like an idiot trying to get my son to school, picking up dog poo, going to Coles and getting to my desk, not in some kind of zen omnipotent state, but more in a kind of frazzled state. And then knowing that I really only have five or so hours to get everything I need to get done before I have to go and pick my son up from school again and do all those other things. You know, most people have responsibilities, whether it's kids, partners, pets, parents, whatever. And we don't get clear eight hour days to kind of indulge our inner Zen and make money. We just don't get it. So I wanted to really be transparent and show that you can make a decent amount of money, have a nice lifestyle, even if you don't have that beautiful setup that these yogi smoothie drinking beasts have. So, yeah. Yeah. And everyone, um, if anyone's been following what I've been up to in the last couple of months, I've been tripping around the countryside and I just had a month down in the beautiful New South Wales coast with a, a beautiful friend and author, um, mate of mine, Annie Seaton. Now, this woman is a machine, Kate. She is very, very successful. She runs her own 
um, business and website. It's all about publishing and um, she is spot on the money. Mm. But in her spare time, she's always out fishing and walking along beautiful cliff tops and taking pictures of sunsets just to make the rest of us jealous. Uh, and I would suggest that she does work extremely hard, but there's plenty of time in between times to, to have a life, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I think it is sometimes difficult to set those boundaries because having your own business, it will eat any time that you give it. There is no amount of time that will ever satiate your business. There's always more you could be doing. You know, there's other social media channels, there's opportunities, there's, you know, you should be writing a book, you should be doing this. So it's the shoulds can can really get to you. And, and I'll be honest, you know, I had a couple of years in the wilderness where I was working very hard. I wasn't looking after myself. I was very stressed. Um, and I really had to kind of grab myself by the shoulders and say, this is not the point. You didn't start your own business to become its slave. And I'm now dragging myself out of, of that kind of mire and, and really trying to, you know, work to live, not live to work. That's, it's a cliche, but it, it's very easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. Now I'm going to suggest that a lot of us are in at that point that you talk about. We're in that quagmire. We're trying to keep our head above water. Uh, we're now called independent publishers, everybody. We're not self-publishers. We're not indie authors. We're independent publishers, which I think is really cool because it makes us sound like the business people that we are, are running around in the background um, chasing ourselves, which is crazy. Uh, but a lot of it can... I guess, get lost if we don't get what you're going to tell us about right. That wonderful thing called SEO is mm. just makes me shake in my boots. But you've got some really great stuff. I know I'm laughing here because I'm useless at it. Um, you've got some great stuff on your um, podcast and your website and everything. And I wanted to start with um, you interviewed Cyrus Shepherd recently and he talked about um, the inside scoop for 2019. So if you know the basics, everybody, um, even just listening to this part of the podcast about what's going to happen in 2019, because things change constantly, don't they? They do. But I guess to a degree, the more they change, the more they, they, they stay the same. And I think, unfortunately, SEO does have a bit of a bad name because a lot of us get emails from random people telling us our SEO is terrible. And um, by the way, I get those too. And I'm kind of at the top of my game. So you can always just delete those emails. They really are not targeted at you. They're just taking a scattergun approach. So the things that frighten people about SEO are, A, it changes all the time. B, it's super technical. And C, I just don't want to do it. I think that's pretty much it. Um, so really all that Google and the search engines are trying to do with the changes are replicate the human experience. So pretty much anything as a human that you find confusing or you don't like when you go to a website, Google's trying to eradicate that. Like we, Google doesn't like pop-ups and Google doesn't like sites that aren't secure and Google doesn't like sites that take 25 minutes to load on your mobile phone. Common sense, yeah? So the changes that are happening are pretty much common sense and there'll be none that you go, that's weird, why is Google doing that? Because they're doing it to make us happier as customers. Um, in terms of the technical stuff, yes, of course, you have to have a well-built website. But most of the platforms out there like WordPress, Shopify, Squarespace, Wix, Weebly, Netto, BigCommerce, they are eradicating those technical problems for us. It's in their best interest to fix the bugs that Google wants them to fix. So really there's less and less tech stuff that your average small business owner needs to know about or do because the platform does it already. So then you kind of move into what Cyrus is talking about, which is the big things for next year. Do you want, to take, want me to tell you what they are? Oh, I've read, so I know. So, but you know. yes, I do want you to tell us through it because um, 
we do know some stuff uh, and we think we know some stuff and then we discover we don't know stuff. Uh, but moving forward, it's really good to know what we should be aiming for, isn't it? It really is. And I, I think one of the biggest things, and it probably comes as no surprise, is, is the rise of a voice search and conversational search. So these days, fewer and fewer people are typing into a desktop computer to find results. Instead, they're talking to their Google Home, their Google Assistant, Siri, whatever device they have. You can talk to your fridge now. I'm not sure it's going to answer you back, but it's, you know, someone to talk to on those dark, lonely nights. And instead of sort of saying, you know, pizza, restaurant, where, Sydney, money, we're like, hey, Google, where's the best pizza restaurant in Sydney? We ask it questions. We talk to it. So Google can understand those questions now and it can look at the content on your site and go, does this content solve that customer's problem? Does it answer their question? Have they used the same kind of words that the person asked? So, you know, formal copy with long sentences and big words. Most people don't talk like that, you know? So that kind of informality of language on your website and the real helpfulness of really, you know, giving away your knowledge and sharing content with people. That's what Google wants. That's what humans want, what Google wants. So I think voice search is, is going to compel us as writers to write like humans and really, really write for our audience, not try to write for our audience or not try to sell our stuff in a way our audience might like it, but to just help our audience build trust, build authority, and then they buy. You know, so it's not the hard sell. It's having a conversation like we are now, you know. Yeah, and this, and this is what the cool thing is, everyone, and I've got to admit that I went shopping in the summer and we bought a fridge. We bought a fridge that was $600 and doesn't do anything but open and shut, but my girls had a lovely time playing with the fridges that had computers in them, mm-hmm. and they do. They just, and they're like four and $5,000, everyone, so I'm assuming they'll come down, um, but just crazy stuff. But my daughters are also the ones that have laughed at me because when I look for something on a Google search, I actually type what I'm thinking. Um, you know, where do I find such and such? And they say, oh, mummy, you're such an old lady. You don't, all you got to do is put in the keywords. And I go, oh, do I? <laughs> but no, Google well, brings actually, it up. You, yeah. you can tell them that they are wrong and mum is right, that they are wrong. Because these days, the who, what, when, why, how questions a driving Google search. And you will notice this, the search engine results have changed. So if you type in, you know, how old is Obama or where is the Eiffel Tower? You'll get something new now, which is called featured answers or featured snippets. That didn't used to be there. And what it is, is Google's best guess. They've searched the whole internet and they put that what they think is the best answer in what we call position zero. It's above the ads even. So if you can get your content in position zero, you're going to get all the eyeballs and all the traffic to your site, which obviously then you can convert. And, you know, you may type that into Google. I talk it to Google. And I, you know, that's what I just said. The when, why, what, how things, that is what it's all about. So you can turn around to your daughters and tell them that they're old school and you are hip. Okay. I love it. I love it. I wish they were here now listening to the downtown spending <laughs> all my play money. Them this, play them this little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yes. right. Now, uh, as you know, everyone, I follow um, the podcasting world very, very, very closely and I'm heading off to America in July this year, Skype again, um, to attend the um, podcast movement uh, conference, which is really exciting. And the focus on podcasting growth and uh, getting your audio books out there and speaking is absolutely huge, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I did, I, I did 37 speaking events uh, last year. 
And as I said, I also have three podcasts, one of which is kind of in, in a fallow period at the moment. Um, yeah, I just think people connect so well with voice. I mean, I think people connect really even better. No, actually, that's wrong. I'm going to correct myself. I think people connect with video and voice in different ways. So I do a lot of video as well. I think that's very powerful for building a face-to-face -face connection. We're recording this video on Zoom. I can see Melinda and we can, you, you can, you get those body cues that you just don't get. But that oral experience of, of listening to a podcast, I think it's not like anything else. And I, I think that often people listen to podcasts when they're doing their happy thing. They're in their happy place. They're walking their dog, they're cooking, you know. And so you start to associate that podcast with something that you love and it becomes very precious to you. Um, I have a couple of favorite podcasts and I love the presenters in a way that's probably not quite right, you know, because I've listened to hundreds of hours of them. Um, I'd do anything for them. And in my world, which my podcasts are a little bit businessy, which is a shame. I'd love to have a non-business one and I hope to one day. People, by the time that they come to buy my first thing, they've listened to 50 hours of me. And either they're going to like me or not like me, but after 50 hours, they're probably going to like me. And therefore, I don't need to hard sell. I've never done a paid ad on Google or Facebook in my life because I don't need to. Podcasts bring me people and video and interaction. So, yes, so, so, so powerful. Yeah, and, and I think it's an intimacy. Like I've fallen in love with Stephen Fry so many times as we travel in the car and listen to his audio books. Cool. Uh, but... Uh, the, and something on my list of notes to talk to you about was that difference between um, video and purely audio. I know, and it's personal to me, that I get sent stuff all the time, you know, free video courses and all that kind of stuff, and you think, oh, that'd be really good, I'd love to sit down. But I actually have to stop, sit down and do it, and I never, ever, ever get the chance. Mm -hmm. But podcast, I can do anywhere, anytime. And so... Is there going to be a time where we, we prioritise audio over, I guess, the visual now that all these um, Google Alexas and all those are coming into fashion? I don't think so. I mean, I do think that, you know, there's a peculiar type of thing that works well on podcasts. I think it's a great medium for storytelling, for interviews. But clearly, like, if I want to instruct someone on how to fix something on their website... I need those visual cues. I need to be able to, them to be able to see me clicking here and clicking there. Even just now, I just watched a quick six-minute video on how to color correct something in a video. There's no amount of audio that could have helped me do it. I needed to see what button she was clicking. So I think it's about what, are you, what problem are you trying to solve? What is the best medium for that? Sometimes it's podcasts. Sometimes it's video. Sometimes it's the written word. Like, you know, I've written a couple of blog posts that have done really, really well. Because, and I'm not sure they'd have done well as podcasts because sometimes reading something funny just gets you. Sometimes a simple meme can really communicate more. So I think it's, I don't think one will take over. They say that most people watch something like 40 videos a day, even if they don't mean to. Um, most people watch videos with the sound down as well, interestingly. So it's all about the, having the sub subtitles. Um, but yeah, I just think it's different mediums, you know. I, and I, I don't think I would ever sit and watch a 40-minute video but I will listen to a 40 minute podcast. So short and sweet, instructional, how to video, storytelling, longer form content, then I think podcast is the go. Yeah, and that's interesting because even on Facebook, uh, you talked about uh, tags or captions on, on your videos. I'll be watching it in the middle of the night and I'll read the captions because I don't want the sound on. Uh, and I don't think I ever listen, to be perfectly yeah. honest. I always read the captions. Uh, and I do find it with instructions works really well. Anything that goes wrong in our 
techie world, um, Sam automatically jumps on and, you know, goes onto YouTube and finds out how to fix it. Mm. Uh, I just think we're becoming more savvy. We're surrounding ourselves with all these gizmos. But there are still some tried and tested things we have to do, aren't they? We have to get the basics right. And I think you called it you called it on-site. You, what did you call it when it was on-page? On-page optimization. Yeah. You got the title here first, everybody. Yeah. So on-site or on-page, is, is it basically means that, you know, when someone comes to your website, there are certain things you have to do. The, the most important one is that it loads quickly. So your website, you want to make sure it loads in five seconds or less, ideally three seconds or less. And Google has a tool called Google Site Speed, where you can pop your website in and you can find out if it does or not. Fixing the problem, not quite so easy. Usually most sites, it's because they've got giant image files on them and you can get, reduce the size physically and the K size of an image and you're going to sort a lot of problems out. Um, so speed is a big factor and being able to crawl your site, being able to get to all the pages, no blocks and weird things going on. And again, Google has tools that will help you with that. Um, if you haven't already signed up to something called Google Search Console, it's a bit to get your head around, but it's Google's free tool that tells you everything that's wrong with your website. And then you may need to get someone to help you fix it, but at least you are empowered in your understanding. A bit of knowledge goes a long way. And then it's other things like, we all know some sites are ugly. They take, they, they've got big flashing images and things popping up left, right, and center. They've got gray copy on a white background that I can't quite see because my eyes aren't what they were or, or no images or too many images or the copy just bleeds all the way across the page. This is one for us writers. Why are books this wide? It's because our eye can't connect with the next line if they're that wide. But on websites, people have copy that runs right the way. My screen is this big. I'm doing big hands, people. Like when people have catch a big fish, your copy goes all the way across. I can't bring my eye to the next line. So readability is a really big factor as well. Um, and not just in terms of visual readability, but the language you're using. They say that you know, the literacy rate online is about year seven. So if you're writing content that can only be read by an 18-year-old or a post-grad, you're losing your audience. And there's a great little tool called Hemingway.app, which is a free tool that you can pass all your copy through. It will give you a Fleisch Kincaid readability score and it will highlight everything you need to fix, all those long sentences and adverbs and fantastic. I use it pretty much every day. It's free. So great little yeah. tip there. As an English teacher, my heart just got broken. But unfortunately, what you're saying is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. uh, the average reading age is seven because people don't read anymore. Our kids don't read as much as they perhaps should, as far as I'm concerned. But the reality is they'll run rings around us when it comes to finding something online. Which, yeah, yeah and, and they, um, I guess they're streets ahead of us. So we can't bag them too much for not wanting to, to read a lot. But they're going to grow up and be our consumers of our content. So we have to really think about it. And as, as writers, we're interested in getting our books out there. We're interested in bringing people to us and creating our communities. And I think it was Cyrus Shepherd that said, you know, what it is, uh, our biggest asset is the community that we network with. And that's um, so true with, with writers and we share the words um, and our readers and, and it grows and grows. Um, but I, I want to move back to this um, checklist. I think there's a checklist on Kate's website everyone if you subscribe to her newsletter you get this checklist for free and all the tools that uh, that you're talking about uh they're links to it so we can just link off and come back and link off and come back and check all this stuff out um which is really exciting but one of the things that was on it itself is 
um, having um, 150 words, at least a paragraph of writing on every page. Now, we're told that people are visual now and all the rest of it and not to have too much words and not enough words and all the rest of it. And then you came up with this lovely uh, amount of words, 150 words. And I went, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I think, look, it's, it's, it's very subjective. And Google, because I'm very lucky in that I get to speak to the, the reps from Google a lot and they come on the podcast, so I get it from Google. And their approach is, look, the content needs to be as long as the content needs to be. If you're doing a recipe for how to boil an egg, can pretty much explain it in three bullet points if you're reviewing war and peace you might need a few more words and i think that's the best attitude to take my attitude is always you don't want it to be like too little butter scraped over too much bread you know if, if you're writing and you feel like you've run out of things to say and you're scraping that butter further and further it's going then stop you know but what i find is that a lot of sites especially e-commerce sites sites that are selling items they just sort of say blue jumper made of wool and it's like, no, 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 sell it to me. When would I wear that jumper? What does it feel like? What kind of person wears that? How do they feel when they wear it? What, you know, try and engage and emote and, and really draw the reader in, whether you are, you know, selling them your book or selling them a product, whatever it is, we need to write copy that, you know, speaks to the hearts and minds of our readers. And if we do that well, we will satisfy google without even having to try because if you're talking about a blue jumper you're going to say well it's made of soft wool lamb's wool straight from the hills of new zealand it's warm and cuddly and soft and perfect for sitting in front of the fire on a cold winter's day you know that sells me a jumper but i've also used the word new zealand lamb's wool wool jumper pullover you know I've used the words that Google, that people are typing into Google without even having to force it. So it's, you know, it's humans first, Google second. There's no right amount of content, but you know, if there's just no words at all, what's Google got to read to understand what your content's about? It can't see the pictures. It can't see the code. It's looking to find the words that someone put into the Google, the Google engine, find those on your page. So there needs to be words on your page. How many? Mm -hmm depends on what you're writing about. Yeah. Now, first of all, everyone, Kate chose the um, woolen jumper image because we're all sweltering here in 34 degrees at the moment yeah. here in Australia. Um, but over there in England, I know you guys are getting lots of snow. So appreciate the woolly jumper image. Mm -hmm. uh, second of all, we uh, really need to think about the benefits of what we do so we can share that with others. That's, that's something fairly, fairly basic. Mm. So when it comes to keywords and searches and all that kind of stuff, I know with the podcast there's been a lot of people kicked off Apple Podcasts for um, title stuffing and things like that. Mm. Um, there's so many courses out there you can do and so many people trying to grab your money to teach you all this stuff. But what you're saying is a lot of it's just basic common sense. It, it really is. And, uh, look, you've got to remember that Google's a search engine, but Facebook's a search engine, Instagram's a search engine, YouTube's a search engine, and Apple iTunes is a search engine. Anything that has a box that we type into and an index of content is a search engine. iTunes search engine is particularly and particular and peculiar. So that, you know, the recommended podcasts, the ones that you see there, the, you know, new and noteworthy, they are manually chosen. You are not getting into those no matter how many keywords you shove into your title. But the search box, yes, it's driven by the name of your show, the name of your author of the show, uh, the, the episode titles and the episode descriptions. Yeah. And it looks for keywords in there, but you don't want to stuff it in. I mean, our, one of our podcasts is called the Hot Copy Podcast, a copywriting podcast for copywriters. So it's, 
it's a bit silly it's but it's not it's not like copy 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 but it, we did it a little bit cheekily um and then our episodes are just named things like how to write a press release you know what would people type into itunes we've tried to replicate that in our titles but the other thing with itunes is as well as looking for keywords it also is very much driven by subscription velocity and rating and review velocity. So it's not just that people are subscribing. If you get a lot of subscribers on any particular day, your podcast is going to shoot up. So it's very important at the end of your podcast that always, and anyone listening to this, subscribe at the end and leave a five-star rating and review because that helps Melinda's podcast become more visible to other people. That You're helping her by doing that. So that's a little tip. Yeah, now everybody right from day one, I'm supposed to be asking all that stuff and I don't. (laughs) Every now and then I get really enthusiastic and I'll send something out to half a dozen guests and say, hey, can you jump on Apple and and give me a review? But other than that, I don't do it. There's so much that I haven't been doing knowing that I should have been doing it. You're here. There's so many things to do. You've got so many social media platforms. You know, I don't do all the things either and I forget. And I, I do think that also things just grow organically and if people like your show, they like your show, they will tell people about it. And no amount of algorithms and tech guruness can impact that. People just like what they like. It's just that sometimes people would like it, but they don't even, you are the cure for their disease, but they don't even know that you exist. They don't even know there's a cure for their problem. They don't even know this beautiful podcast exists that they would love. So yeah, I do think you have to push yourself a little bit. And maybe go a little bit out of your comfort zone. I'm not saying you need to become some SEO guru that can code websites, but tiny little changes can make a huge impact with Google. You get your site speed down by one second, you could jump from page 40 to page one. That's how powerful it can be. So it's about having a source of truth that you can trust because there's a lot of conflicting advice. It can be a bit overwhelming doing little bite-sized things. So that's why one of my courses is called SEO Nibbles because it's about bite-sized chunks. You've only got half an hour today. What could you do? What one thing could you do that's going to make a difference? So that's how I like to deliver content in little chewy lumps. But yeah, I, I, I think we all feel that way. I feel overwhelmed with how much there is to do and I do a lot. So I think it's really tough. Yeah, and that a bit of that stuff is in the confessions of a misfit entrepreneur, everybody. We get overwhelmed and it's coming at us from all angles. And I made a vow this year that I was going to do nothing but write my fiction because my fiction has gone to the bottom of the pile and hence I haven't put any out. Uh, so this year I'm doing nothing but write my fiction, fix my website, get my podcast out. And I sat nothing down to that. this, 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 this and this. Yeah, that was and like said, off as nothing but and then it was like three other things. And I sat down today and I said, right, I'm starting back at work today in between we're playing canasta and doing a few other things like that. I said to the girls, I said, when we're on holidays, all I had to do was write my pirate stories. I said, back here, one day of getting back into the podcast and I went, oh, I've got to do, you know, you've got to do the transcripts, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But we don't have to. And that brings me to a little question. Um, we're putting out an author success stories magazine and putting it off-site, putting it with um, Jew magazine or one of those, do we lose SEO advantage by having it off our own platforms? Yeah, I mean, look, you, you really want to be driving as many people as you can to your hub site, yeah? So any kind of third-party site that you host, only like, when people have courses and they put them on sites like Teachable or, you know, it's better to build your 
empire on your own ground rather than build it on other people's. But there is a caveat to that. Those kind of magazine tools that you have that are really easy to use and you flip through and you get all that functionality, that's better for the user. So, you know, sometimes we have to think about Google and SEO and sometimes we have to think about the user. A kind of little compromise might be that you have it on the magazine site, but then you also have it as a downloadable PDF on your own site because PDFs can be called by Google. Um, and you may also even want to have the articles as long-form blog posts on your site. So you give people options. Some people like to read blog posts. Some people like to download a PDF. Some people like to go to magazine apps. Some people might like an iBook. You know, it's, I think it's all about giving, we just talked earlier that some people like video, some people like audio, giving people options. But at the end of the day, every decision you make in your business, I think, should be about the customer first and the tech second. So if a magazine app is the best way for a customer to digest your magazine, go at it. And then there's other ways you can build that Google love. There's other things you can do. Yeah, Google love, everybody. I, that has got to be the title for our podcast today. Google love. Google love. <laughs> Google fall in love with your business. <laughs> and, and we can use our voices now so we can actually woo them. We can woo them with our velvety tones, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Uh, now you mentioned it, and you mentioned it in passing, and I wanted to come back at because it's something that is so much, so easy to do now. And again, I haven't been doing it. Mm-hmm. Is fit your images to size. Now we have mm-hmm. Canva, um, where it actually, and when I upload my podcast, I'm supposed to give my ca- um, picture a title and all that kind of stuff. And I just skim all over that. I'll do that later, and I never do it. But that's really all part of that SEO, isn't it? Getting it the is. right size for the right social it media. Is. Mm. And I, um, I hope it's all right to mention, but I have a little course called the 10-Day SEO Challenge. That one is a paid one. And I do a whole section on image optimization. But it, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, you, when you upload an image, often we get images off the internet and they're huge, you know, like 2,000 pixels by 2,000 pixels. And we don't take the si- time to resize them. Because we know that when it goes on our site, it's fitting into a little small box. So you can just use preview on your computer or whatever to change the dimensions of your image. That's going to that's gonna help straight away. Then there's a great little tool called Tiny PNG, P for, for poo, N for nose, G for goat. Um, it's a free tool. You drag your image into it and it spits it out, but it's reduced the file size, the load size. Again, that's gonna make a big difference. In terms of naming it, common sense. If your blog post is called How to Win Google Love with Kate Toon, then a great name for your image is gonna be Google Love Kate Toon. Google hyphen love hyphen Kate hyphen Toon. For some reason, Google doesn't like underscores, so always use hyphens. That's, and then you, you know, you're gonna give the image a title, what do you think the title is going to be? How to win Google Love with Kate Toon. What do you think the description is going to be? In this episode, we talked to Kate Toon about how to win Google Love. It's common sense, you know? So you, 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 I think SEO copywriting, image, uh, image optimization or on page is all about having a focus. It's not about using a certain keyword 7% of the time. It's about, this post is about hippos. It's about hippos and what they eat. And, and therefore, I'm going to use words like hippo. And, and lettuce and, and humans, because I think hippos eat humans. Did you know that hippos are, are the biggest, the most deadly animal on the planet? I didn't know that. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, gonna, to um, just jump in here, everyone, because 
Kate is a very serious businesswoman um, and is at the top of a game working with multinational corporations. And she wrote a book about a pirate. And I was really excited because I'm writing a pirate book at the moment. But hers is about a pirate who likes dolphin wee. He does. Can I read you? Can I read you that line? You certainly may. So, in Kate's spare time, she's actually a children's author. Well, at least I hope it's a children's author. Um, it's actually very popular with adults. I just—I'm going to read you one paragraph, okay? Hold the. Can you hold the cover up? Because we'll start putting them up on YouTube again. Wobbly Jim, this guy's name. Wobbly Jim, and a parent named Sue. It's really the story of Sue. You know, it's a feminist. She's a feminist icon. Um, so once there was a pirate and his name was Wobbly Jim, he used to have two legs, but a shark took one from him. So now his leg is wooden and doesn't fit quite right. He polishes it with honey and takes it off at night. Jim sails the mighty oceans on his boat, the Merry Cow. It's painted black and white and has udders on the bow. He eats barnacles for breakfast and seaweed for his tea and washes it all down with a pint of dolphin wee. How can we resist? And it's illustrated. It has got beautiful illustrations. Kate's holding that up there for the moment. If you want to see the book and you want to see the illustrations, um, have a look on my YouTube channel, which I'm sure I've got one there somewhere. Um, we're going to kick that off this year and, and start um, awesome. really, really trying to use the content that we have so much of. I think we're up to mm. 150 episodes and yeah. it's been just sitting in the bottom of my to-do. I think well. people quite yeah. like to see the, the faces behind the voices sometimes, don't they? You know. Uh, and I, I think the personality, um, and I'm listening to Kate here, I'm listening to your beautiful, beautiful English accent, oh. um, but really from the south, uh, sorry, the mid-New mid South Wales coast, because um, we all live on beaches here in Australia, everyone, yes. we, don't, we don't go to the outback at all, except if it's exotic and someone's paying our way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, everyone, if you want to know, Kate has um, some magnificent stuff on her website and I downloaded the little checklist and it takes you through, it doesn't just take you through what we need to do on our pages for optimization. It's got a list of freebies, um, which has got some exciting stuff on it. 66 super simple SEO tips um, on, the, on the page SEO infographics. Um, you can join Kate's I Love SEO group, um, which I'm just going to join because I just love the title of that. It's yeah, and I've got to, I've got to do it. Um, Kate's got a YouTube channel, uh, SEO podcast, as we talked about, Recipe for Success. Um, but the things that are interest me, um, because I like doing my little courses at my own pace, there's the SEO Nibbles course, 10-day SEO challenge, mm -hmm. and the Good Karma SEO course. Now, I want to finish with the Good Karma because that's what we're all about, isn't it? Community networking and um, giving back to everybody else. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier in the episode and, and it's very much my ethos as well. Like, um, So the Good Karma SEO course is about doing nice things for other people that actually by through doing them will actually help you get more Google love. Um, but, you know, you're kind of primarily doing them with no expectation of return. It's just that they probably will help you. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one of my courses, but it's kind of my whole ethos in business. So I've spent, you know, we've talked to there about the I Love SEO group. I've also got a clever a copywriting community. I've got another group called the Misfit Entrepreneurs. Um, and I give a lot out. I actually have an hour in my diary every week where all I do is go into other people's Facebook groups and answer questions about digital marketing, SEO, copywriting. I don't drop my link. I don't try and sell anything. I don't want them to be my customers. I just want to help people. And I've done that for a long time. I think when you do that, people see not just the person whose question you answered, but the hundreds of other people who are in the group. Um, and you build up, I, I, I hope, 
it's, it's my goal. I've built up a reputation as being pretty generous. And I think lots of people are frightened of giving away any knowledge because they're like, well, I, people should pay for that. People should pay for what's in my brain. But I'm confident enough that there's enough in my brain that I can give away an awful lot and there's still going to be an awful lot left. So as you mentioned, I have a lot of things there that are completely free and um, that other people might charge for. But it, it, it all seems to work. You know, I give out to the universe. I'm not very woo-woo. I'm actually quite cynical. But I do believe, you know, if you put good vibes out there, it does tend to, does tend to come back. Well, it has for me. I built a business on just trying to be nice to people. And it's, it's, it's worked pretty well. Be a nice human. It's my mantra. Yeah. Now, everyone, we all know that uh, Jen J. McLeod does the uh, paddock to print uh, promoting Australian books. Um, we do our podcasts. Uh, now, I can guarantee everybody that for the amount of work that goes into podcasts, we don't get anything back. Um, works. <laughs> but the biggest thing that we get is we get to talk to each other and we get to talk to these experts and we get to learn so much so that when we sit around here with our, you know, our iPads and our computers and our phones and our mics, we actually think, wow, we are really moving with the young millennial crowd and we know everything. <laughs> Well, now you know more than millennials. We've just established that because you know more than millennials. Yeah. It can be pretty lonely. You know, I work, in a, as I said, in a hut in my back garden. I love these points of connection. I love talking to people. I've met some amazing people through podcasts and being guests. And then I sort of feel like, you know, if in a couple of months you've got like a book you want to promote or something, you can hit me up and say, Kate, will you share this in your community? And I'm going to go, yeah, you know, of course I am. Like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I love it. You know, it's that whole rising tide lifts whole, all the boats kind of thing. Um, and I, I truly, truly believe that it's the best way to be. Turn your competitors into your community and uh, everyone everyone benefits. Yeah. Now, everyone, I had the beautiful Lisa Messenger on the podcast before yeah. Christmas, and she was one of the most generous people, and she echoes what you're saying here, Kate. Uh, we all rise together. And I think this online community, when we start talking to each other, even though we may be in different niches, we actually all overlap, don't we? We do, we do. And there's, yeah. there's a lot, there's, you know, you just never know who's going to be useful or helpful or who you can help at a particular time you know like these connections and um, you know you kind of go you're in talking to someone else you go ah, ah well I talked to someone on a podcast about that you should connect with them and I love being a connector as well um sometimes I feel I'm a bit of a pimp but oh, that sounds the wrong word but connecting good people with good people I, I really enjoy that don't you I just uh, look definitely I'm I've played around on LinkedIn last year. Uh, that was my effort to learn LinkedIn. And it was a really interesting experience because I was constantly recommending people and podcasts. Well, do you know a podcast that might be interested in this? Yeah, sure, go here, go there, and all the rest of it. Not a lot of them were romance writers. Not a lot of them were independent publishers, but it was very easy to direct them to um, business minds and, and send them on their merry way. Yeah. Uh, and I, that actually made me feel really smart. I thought, oh, I know that. Let me, you know, make it. Isn't it, isn't it lovely being able to help someone? <laughs> I just think it's, it's awesome. It makes me feel smart. It makes me feel good. Um, and I do, think it, I do think it all comes around because people remember. People remember people making an effort and being helpful. And, you know, and, they and I think that really helps build your brand, build your authority, trust, relevancy, all those big things that humans are looking for and Google is looking for. 
Yeah. Now, this podcast, everybody, has been a lot more general than I expected, but also a lot more specific because I think a lot of this stuff, and we're talking Google Analytics, keyword searches, and all the stuff that scares the living daylights out of me, I actually think the world has come to meet me, as you said, Kate. Uh, I actually think that me doing what I'm doing is as good as any of that technical stuff and going on and I think you can download, you know, 600 keywords for something. I'm going, give me a break. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. Um, yeah. But that's changing, isn't it? Voice. I think it, I think it is. I think, look, mm-hmm. you, you can't get away from things like site speed and crawlability and just having a good site. You, that's the foundation. You know, you could, you could, I know people who come on my course who've been blogging for maybe two years and they've got nowhere. And it's because I find a bug on their site, which means that Google can't see their blog posts. You know, they're not being indexed. So you can't get away from that kind of thing. And, you know, if you need someone to take a look at your site and, and, and uh, you know, fix it, then I, I recommend some good people in my I Love SEO group because I like connecting people. I'm not affiliated. I just do it to be nice. Um, and then after that, look, I think there's so many different ways to, to, to bake a cake, to make an omelette. What's the expression? Uh, you are into podcasts and voice, whatever other people are doing videos. Some people are doing blogging. Some are great on Instagram. Some do a little bit of everything and try and be a little bit everywhere. And um, I think it's a good idea to do one thing well. And obviously you're doing podcasting well, and there's a few tweaks you want to make. And then the other stuff will follow if you can. But trying to be all things to all people never works. So, yeah. And, and I think that's probably a really, really great place to, to finish on because Wrap I think... Yeah, we're, oh, we're, and we're wrapping up now here at Right Around the Road because uh, <laughs> I want to go back on holidays, everybody. Uh, uh, but uh, trying to be all things to all people... New authors come in all the time and they know they've got to be independent publishers and they've got to do all this and they just go, oh, excuse me, all too hard. And, look, I've never tried to do anything um, because I like talking to people, so I talk to people, um, which I think is really cool. Uh, and now that's all I have to do. All I have to do is talk to people and that's the way it should be, everybody. Um, we talk um, Dragon Dictation. We are now dictating our books. We're now getting our books on audio. Um, no wonder people can only read to a year seven level, Kate. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm yet to yet to delve into Audible, I must admit. I do, I do like a nice book in my hand. I don't even have a Kindle. I like to crack the spine of a real book. I'm sorry, trees, but that's just who I am. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm just thinking of the pirate and the dolphin and how, um, you know, with your with your dulcet tones, you could read that beautifully and and get the rhythm up. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Now, one of the things I want to talk to about, Kate, but I ran out of time, so we'll do it one other time. Is um, fiction writers, everybody. up until now, a lot of websites have all been about non-fiction, but now um, fiction writers having their own websites, having their own Facebook groups, uh, putting out things that are of interest uh, about your characters, settings, all those kinds of things are a really great way to, to um, I guess, build that on-site uh, interest for your readers. Well, it's kind of like building a ready-made audience. I mean, I've, I've published a couple of books. I've crowdfunded them, self-published them, and I'm now I'm talking with a, a real publisher to get my next book published. And I've built up a, pe- a group of people who are ready to buy the next book and they're interested, not just in, I, I do, I've written a poetry book, a kid's book and a business book, but I would love to write fiction. That's my goal one day. But I think it's also just the process. Like, what are you doing? How do you write? Where do you write? What do you write on? I think, I think people who aren't writers are fascinated by that kind of stuff. Um, and so again, you know, 
people get very nervous about putting themselves out there and sharing too much. You don't have to be sharing everything you do and what you had for breakfast, but just little comments and posts and photos about your writing room. People love my writing room. I've got sh She Shed, the Toon Cave. People, whenever I post a picture of it, people go crazy for it because it's really cute. And um, it's got nothing to do with me as a businesswoman, but people love that kind of stuff. So I think that's a great idea, building a community who want to consume your books. Fantastic. And want to want to know all about it. Look, we get there is so much more. We're not going to get through it. I'm going to go off. I'm going to oh, click oh. off now. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about Kate's um, little uh, garden room because I think that's really cool. Um, but in the meantime, uh, don't forget all Kate's links will be on um, on the transcript of this podcast. Be prepared to see every interview in my author success stories come up as blog posts. Um, so you're now going to get them as uh, uh, podcasts, video, transcript. Yeah, it's just oh. everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. My SEO is going to go through the roof. Oh. Uh, thank you, Misfit Entrepreneur. Uh, grab a copy of the book. It is absolutely wonderful. Lots of great trips, tips, tips and tricks, tricks and uh, And um, we'll see you next week. Uh, bye from Rider on the Road and from the SEO Queen. Thank you very much. Bye. SEO Pirate Queen. Bye for now.